0: Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. Welcome to Episode 75 of the Humanity Leadership Podcast. This is another episode which is a conversation with Judy Brown and Rick Eigenbrod. And this time we're talking about destination versus direction. There's a lot to be talked about here, but uh, the challenge of uh, having an explicit destination versus having a direction and being able to waver and paying attention to what's going on and which is the most successful, whether it be personally or organizationally. Have a listen. Well, welcome to this episode of the Humanity Leadership Podcast. And once again, I'm joined by, uh, I, I don't want to call them old friends because that seems like I'm being mean, but it feels like that's the, that's the right term now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually the day before it's Judy's Judy Brown's birthday, and I'm not going to give away any numbers, but it's also the day before my birthday. And I know that Judy's a specific number of years older than I am, which equally I'm not going to give away, but uh, happy 77th birthday.
1: And happy uh, birthday to both <laughs> of you.
0: That, and thank you, Rick. And we're also joined, as you can tell, there by Rick Eigenbrod. So it's another one of those conversations where we've got a question and we're just going to see where the conversation goes. So, yes, happy birthday, Judy, tomorrow. So I think I got the number right as well, didn't I? Yes, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's numbers, just a number, isn't it? It
2: is. A, uh, it's a good number. It's a very good number.
0: So this uh, this episode's question is one of direction versus destination, which is, uh, I think, a great leadership topic. It sounds like a great leadership topic, and uh, I think we're going to have some great conversation about it, but direction versus destination, Judy.
2: All right. Um, what got uh, Rick and me thinking about this in some ways is this common wisdom that we hold that you have to have a goal in order to make any progress, and goals have to be specific and detailed and so forth. And and then stepping back, I would say for me in uh, my own life uh, and thinking of Rick's all-time best one-liner, which is my life was not in my plan. I, I realized that the things that have stood out and I suppose I or others might call real achievements in my life um, were not necessarily goals. They were things that unfolded Along the way, they were things that I thought I was heading this way and they showed up off to the side and I was curious about them. Uh, they were opportunities that others opened to me that I wouldn't have thought of opening to myself. And it got the the two of us thinking about, wait a second, you know, maybe maybe we're dishing out this advice about set goals in a way that's not helpful. Maybe it's not about A specific destination, but our ability to set a direction and to understand that we're working with direction. I suppose at its best, we could say that vision, personal, organizational, is much more that. It's much more a sense of our values, what matters most, uh, where we're generally heading. Um, And I'm I'm particularly struck by this notion that if we're relying on the need to arrive at a specific place, then we really can't take a step until we're clear about that. So it it makes it very hard to move toward things, particularly these days when the horizon is not all that clear for a variety of reasons that the three of us can delineate. Uh, not all of which is the pandemic. A lot of which is just life. So, um, so I've I, I've been sitting with this and wondering how we might invite others to think in a slightly more flexible and adaptive way about where they think they're heading, and uh, and. Whether or not arrival at a specific place is really what this game is all about. So that would be sort of my wade into this. Uh, Rick, David, have at it.
0: Well, there's a couple of things that just before I hand to Rick, that if I can just capture there, because on one hand, you're saying uh, let's apply agile thinking to leadership and agile thinking being from the IT development world that rather than trying to work out and design what it is we want right at the beginning and then work towards it, you get the rough idea and you build something and then you take lots of feedback and spin that feedback and then you build the next thing, which okay. is more about the, the direction versus destination. But I think the other thing I pick up in in your framing of it there, Judy, is which is most important? Is it the journey or the destination? And you know it leads us back to a couple of the other things we've talked about in previous episodes, including let go of certainty because that certainty is what stops us from moving in the first place. And and then also the idea that when we get to that place, if it is so defined, it comes with disappointment and loss. And so if we're experiencing the journey, that's very different. So I, I like that there's kind of two aspects that we can go at it here, the agile approach to leadership and the journey versus destination. Rick?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as I, as I listen to this, what I'm really struck by, is one the connection to some of the things we've talked about, uh, the notion of certainty, et cetera, but also how embedded this mental model of uh, destination is in our culture, in our lives, in our educational systems. Um, I mean, we all grew up. I remember, you know, think back when you're in college, I got a note at some point when I was a sophomore saying, you have to declare a major. And I'm going, well, I declare. I don't know what my major is. I, you know, but it's, it's I Did mean, you do that I, in a
0: southern accent. Okay.
1: It has to be, well, I, I declare. declare. <laughs> I declare. Well, this is a brilliant advice I get. When I was sitting in front of the uh, admit, the the uh, faculty member who I was assigned to, he said, well, you know what you want to major in? No. What do you get good grades in easily? History. You're a history major. So there I was, a history major. Um, ostensibly pre-med who ended up with a PhD in psychology, which I think makes the point that that the, that the narrative, the grand narratives we live in are so embedded in businesses. If you don't have goals, if as a human being, you don't have goals, you're goalless, you're useless, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden this, you know, to some extent this pandemic has ripped our, our, our minds open to other ways of going, agile being a business example. Robert Irwin, the, the famous uh, painter, and uh, um, had a great line. He he talks about there's there's two ways of knowing and two ways of going, and I think it harkens back to how you know our previous conversations about how you think is how you do, and so this notion that. Um, Th- that there are other ways in which we can move through life are now becoming more and more apparent. And I think more and more attractive and more and more, um, if you will, uh, uh, helpful in, in terms of survival in this new world we live in. And so this, this, this notion about two, two ways of knowing and two ways of going I think not only is helpful, it applies, as we said, in our personal lives, but in, in all of our companies and as leaders.
0: And uh, I wanna get back to that two ways of, of knowing, two ways of going, That because um, there's something else you, you trigger that my uncle Wally, who is in his late eighties, and yes, there is such a thing as an uncle Wally, uh, was always confused that his three nephews who went to college one of them went to uh, catering college and is now a financial planner. Another one went to study urban development and is now a graphic designer. And the the third one went to elementary education and is now a leadership consultant. This is so what's the point in going to college, which, um, you know, it seemed like it was a distraction on the track to somewhere else, but, but you're, you're also framing it from a fluidity aspect in my mind that, um, you know, there are people who can set very specific goals and work to attain them directly. But that's not most of us, I don't think. And well, if you
1: and- ask any audience, I'm sorry, dude, if you ask any audience, you know, um, tell me, did, did, did the life that you live followed a career path? Uh, the answer is no. And that's the one line. I, I distilled it in one line. For personally, my life wasn't in my plans. Well, so many other people's lives wasn't in their plans. And yet we hold on to this notion that there should have been a career map. And it Thank starts you. early. What are you going to major in? In high school now, we get kids thinking about that.
2: You know, there's, a, there's an activity that I often do with leadership groups that I'm working with, and it's called uh, Stepping Stones. And I, and I say to people, I want you to, in a journal, make a list of five or six or seven or eight stepping stones that have brought you to where you are in your work, in your life. And so people do that. They write those down. And then I have them have some close in conversations and they do that. And there's a lot of energy in the room about that. And then I say, so what did you notice? Uh, And people are astounded to realize that the, things that have stood out in their lives have been a result of (laughs) lots of different things other than a plan. And sometimes actually they were a bit of a plan and they hit a wall and they got diverted to a direction that had much more life and energy for them. And they had the good sense to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the things that a fixed plan does is it keeps us from being able to pay attention to what really has life and energy for us, because to even remove the blinkers is to deter us from something we're sure we want. Uh, If I were to tell my own story, it's a a bit on the other end of life, Uh, like Rick's, what major are you? My goal was, I thought, to be a university president. I thought that was a good thing. I was part of a university. I was at Michigan State. If you're going to be part of one of these things, you might as well run it terrible thing to admit in public but that's sort of where my mind was at that stage in my life and so I was perking along fine and then I got to a stage where I started getting uh inquiries about being a university president and I realized I did not want to do that job that was not what I wanted to do I wanted to do this I wanted to do stepping stones with people I wanted to do a whole I wanted time to kayak I wanted a whole variety of things that had I followed that plan would have been way off limits for me, way off limits. And I think it's a very, I think it's a scary thing to come face to face with that at any stage in life to go, well, you know, that was the plan, but I don't want it. It's not me. It's not my best talents. I mean, there are a whole list of things.
0: Um, and so, well, we're not saying that the plan is a bad thing. The no. plan is a good thing because it gives us a direction. Yes. But the plan is not the destination. That's absolutely
2: right. And if the plan keeps us from paying attention and learning, it can be deadening.
1: And and, and I think that, you know, David, you said something about fluidity. Think about this embedded sort of assumption or requirement underneath direction, uh, underneath destination. When you're working with a paradigm, a mental model, a way of knowing that has to do with destination, you don't go till you know. Well, in the world we live in, good luck with that, right? It's just good luck with that. And so companies, they do analytics and they do this and that, and we struggle around and we don't go till we know. And it's, it's, it's really constraining in some way when you think about it versus it's it, it, that you go to know when you use direction, which is more fluid where you let, in a sense, the landscape guide you rather than following known maps to known destinations.
0: Right. We, uh, and Judy and I, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, I think, in, in a very early episode that, uh, and it goes back to the stepping stones because you and I have done that with groups that, um, you know, that it's, it's a bit like life's a river and, and it has rapids, it has bends, it has slow places but it also has junctions and that awareness is am I aware of when the junctions are coming up and where the opportunities are and then I make decisions and once I've made a decision that junction is passed, and I keep going down the river until the next junction comes up, and I make another decision. Uh, and we all know we're going someplace. We're going to, to quote a Judy Brown book, to the sea. Um, the sea accepts all rivers eventually. Um, but the uh, when we float down there, and we we're just on a cruise, we don't know which path we're taking to the sea, and it's just a matter of enjoying the moment and being aware of when the junctions come up.
2: Well, and it strikes me uh, when when Rick and I were talking that that seeing it in that way, seeing the possibilities and reading the river is really an abundance mentality and um, and the destination is a narrowing of options. It's not an abundance mentality. Um, and I, I think there's something about seeing this. Um, more generous kind of flow of possibilities. In fact, I can't believe I'm gonna have the courage to do this, but I ended up writing a poem about this. And here we go again with the poetry, guys. Uh, But just recently, when there was a really high tide out here on the creek, and I went out uh, in the kayak, and I realized how, it's not just the junctions, David, that you talked about, but how much more I could see because of the abundance of high tide of a different kind of orientation. So it's called so much as possible on a high tide. So much as possible on a high tide to float without an effort naturally to explore inlets, hidden places out of bounds at other times. That's the line that caught me. And that is if you are, you're sent on a destination, everything else is out of bounds that doesn't clearly lead you there out of bounds at hidden places, out of bounds at other times. To wait for muskrat knowing there is no need to hurry home. It's the journey, not the, you know, fast as you can go. And to let the current carry me without a need to know where that might be. A high tide is a form of freedom if we let it be. And so there's a form of freedom in this way of thinking that is, uh, is, I think, really life-giving.
0: So if we take that and you, you plug it into an organization, so I'm setting up my organization for the year and I'm setting goals for the year and got a financial metric and a quality metric or a safety metrics and things like that, then then how do we match that against this idea of direction versus destination?
1: I think here's, here's an example. By the way, Judy, I want to come back to something you said. I think we... Just to emphasize, as you speak, I, get, I am so aware of the scarcity built into, in unconscious ways, into a, a, a destination model. There's only one destination, right? All other destinations are out. It's a scarcity model. Think about the, the embeddedness of that in organizations. There's, all, there's only so much market share. Right, it's only so much revenue available, and it, it, there's a scarcity bent into it. Um, David, I want to come back and try and, and think about it this way. Charles uh, Handy, you know, who wrote the you know quite famous book about managing the unknowable, he had a definition of vision I like that I think maybe speaks to your question. He said, you know, when we really think about vision in a traditional way. Um, it's it's essentially a, a, a picture of a desired and desirable destination right and it's nothing to matter with that and we really need that but where do we need that you know how wh- where does it where does it fit in the way we we move through life so is it a desired and desirable destination or I love his definition which is it's a challenge it, it's a um, an inspire a, a challenge an inspiration, a driving force that arises in the present and requires no knowledge of the future. Those are two totally different ways of thinking about our business. We have some examples later on of how one in a business or in life might think about or examples of this destination versus direction. But vision is so common, you need a vision. It's almost always historically in a destination, not a direction.
0: So the, the vision will give us the, the, the rough idea of where we're heading. And, and the more specific we make that, the more we're putting blinkers on things. Uh, and then we set off in close to that direction as possible and go with the flow a little bit, depending on what's happening. So it's the willingness to adapt once we've set off on that journey. So it's saying we're going to be somewhere between north and east. So let's head northeast and then we'll keep tracking and work out how we need to adjust as we go.
1: Yeah. Do you think Apple, when they first made their first computer, thought that they would, you know, this would,
0: this,
1: this, it would they would be in it this. By the way,
0: revolutionize the music industry and then revolutionize the communication industry. Right. And,
1: and by the way, if you say to people, what is this? They say, oh, it's a phone. It's not a phone. It's a computer that you can make phone calls with. Yeah
0: yeah i played that game once trying to uh, imagine the video of if you took everything from your phone and, and put it back 40 years you know for starters you'd have the world's biggest library So, uh, <laughs> and then every photograph you've ever taken etc but yeah that 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 sense of um you know have a look at steve jobs his thing wasn't to make computers it was to to switch people's thinking a little bit i i think Elon Musk does that no matter what you think of his style and politics and everything else, he's certainly uh, breaking industry norms by challenging it. Starlink is one of those that I think is, uh, is the most prevalent and recent in that rather than having cell phones work via towers, he's thrown up a whole bunch of low earth orbit satellites and we'll just beam straight up and down. And, And it makes so much logic, but he's the only person that actually said, Oh, I'm going to throw, millions of dollars at this to make it work because I think it's so logical.
1: David, you, I want to come back to your question about business because I think it's a tension. I think we have to realize this attention in businesses in our lives. We need, we need in some way what we might call the de- destinations. Um, you know, we need some metrics, et cetera. Um, those help us move along as opposed to define where everything else so if, if you when I when I talk to people about this individually, you know, it really comes down to are you going to are you going to take a paradigm that, that essentially is creating a map, taking a map, a known map, following that map to a known destination? So you follow the map. You're really a navigator of known, known routes to known destinations. Or are you going to be a discoverer? Where you don't follow a map, you follow vitality. It goes back to handy, right? A challenge, a driving force, an aspiration that arises in the present. And if you speak to people and you find that there is a vitality there, but they don't know that that is the, that's in a sense the guidance system that allows them to move in, in a certain direction.
0: So would it be fair then to say you know, we need both? We need the people who follow the vitality and the people who follow the map.
1: Yeah. In the different
2: times. But they're going to have to be able to talk with each other. They're going to have to be able to have a conversation about the power of the and the difference in the mindsets and and probably at various times i mean this notion that um that we're headed toward horizons that we cannot see and that's a very different reality than being able to take a sighting on a tree across the creek Um, and and the horizon if we get it in view keeps uh changing for us and it keeps requiring that we can talk to each other about what we're seeing and can sit in that conversation with a reasonable amount of respect and and continued learning. Um, Because absent that, uh, we're gonna go in circles or we're gonna stop dead in our tracks.
1: Um, David, let me invite you to try something. I love your, your question about your business and goals you know, and direct and destinations. The metric for destinations is, is, um, is closer further, right? If we have a goal, we're closer further to the goal. And so that metric is almost, it goes with that particular mindset and way of going, more of less up. So probably in your business plans as many others, and your goals, financial goals, et cetera, et cetera, what the embedded metric underneath all that is, um, um, it, it, it's, we're closer or further to this number we set, right? What if, if, you, if I asked you about your business to think about it for a second in terms of a direction? The metric then becomes, what would you see more of or less of? If your company was moving in the direction that you wanted it to go in, totally different metrics, not either or necessarily, but a different way to think about it.
0: Right. I mean it reminds me of an old Dilbert cartoon where they're going around poking people in the eye because their metric was to have three injuries that year and they hadn't had any yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, perversity of goals. <laughs> yeah. and I, well, it, it is that perversity, because if, if I think you're, you're on mean there, Rick, in terms of it's just further or closer, I can meet them. And what happens when I meet them? Do we have to reset another one? Do I slow down? Do I stop? Versus yeah. what you're saying is more or less of which moves us in a constantly productive environment.
2: Right. And there's there's a, the danger with goals is um, there's you achieve them. Or you don't, and in achieving them, essentially you're dead in the water. You've got to redo another one, and if you don't, there's all this mental punishment that goes with it, of each of each other or yourself at of having set the goal and not made it. Uh, either way, it's <laughs> I, I'm now being
1: unduly harsh. Either way, it's a loser. Right. Think of it, Judy. Think about salespeople. I met my goals. What do I get? A trip to Las Vegas and a bigger number. You yeah. got it. Exactly <laughs> right. I didn't meet my goal.
0: What do I get?
2: I have to leave the company. I
0: mean, <laughs> honestly. Which, which then, if you get to this idea of uh, direction rather than destination, is that suggesting then that that same salesperson should have, um, you know we need to do more of uh, high revenue part sales and less of cost. You could, it
1: could be defined in different ways and, and how you set those met, you know, it's like, it's the old thing about what, you know, what we measure is what we do. I want to come back to something you said, if you don't mind me, uh, David, about um, and Judy said about, okay, you get there. Like, so what? Um, I want to use that, that triggered an example of someone quite high visibility who moved from direction to destination and it's ed cadmall he was the ceo of pixar and he wrote this wonderful book called creativity and in the first part of the book he talks about how thrilling it was to meet the goal of creating the first full-length cartoon toy story as i recall Um, and it was wonderful and then it was done and he said, "Okay, now what's next for me and for us?" He said, "Is this is this going to be like we've re- laid down these tracks and we have an engine and we're just going to keep driving over it and over it?" He said, "You know, there was this real almost existential, um, which David and I know personally, and I think we know, he's like arrival is a ne- can be a real existential event and." Um, uh, that it was an existential event. Is this this my life's going to be, forgive the phrase, making more and more cartoons? And what he said was um, that that wasn't going to satisfy him, nor might it serve the company. And what he decided to do was to, in a sense, personally take on direction, not destination. And the direction was, To move more and more in our ability to 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 um, to 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 create, enhance, sustain, provide creativity,
0: and out of that will come goals. Which is it's interesting because that's a vision of a direction.
1: It's a direction. It's going from a destination, which put them on the map. Nothing to mm-hmm. matter with that. The goal was to do the first, the first full-length uh, uh, animated uh, film, full-length animated film. It's, it, was, it was groundbreaking, fantastic. But it's like, we're going to do it again and again and again. Well, to some extent. But for, for him personally as a leader, he saw something bigger. I want this company to move in a direction of, of building, enhancing, and protecting its capacity for creativity. And to build a culture that nurtures and builds creativity. Mm -hmm. So what would you see what you know, right? What would you see more of less of under that rubric, as opposed to uh, how many films are we going to make and what's the revenue? And I thought I think it was a really wonderful example of one person moving from a mindset, a way of knowing that's destination to to direction as a leader of a high profile company. Right.
2: You know, what as you told that story, Rick, what strikes me is there's also something about him as a leader sinking more deeply into the experience he's had, because embedded in that experience at a deeper level is the creativity. So it's as if within that experience is the seed of this direction. And it takes a certain kind of sitting with oneself. And I'm going to say with the the existential issues raised by having achieved the destination and sitting in that space, that makes it possible to see really what is the much more life-giving direction that you want to set out for yourself and for others.
1: Um, and we can shift not only externally with this, Judy, we can shift internally. I think um, David and I have shared this experience about arrival after a long journey. And, you know, I mentioned walking the Camino, you know, along with a million other Peregrinos, pilgrims. And I remember in the early stages, um, you know, people would ask me, it's 500 miles. And it's people would say, were you ever worried you wouldn't get there? And I realized somewhere within a week or so of walking, something shifted inside of me, because for months and months and months, and the first time I thought about this, I was going to walk to Santiago. That's what we do when we're, when we, we're pilgrims, when we walk to Santiago. But the reality was, on a day-to-day basis, it was so far away, I didn't even worry about whether I was going to get there or not. So what the journey turned into, and it was an internal shift, I'm still gonna end up in Santiago, but I started walking towards Santiago, right? Yes, each day I had, well, we'll try and walk to here, but even that changed. I don't know where we're gonna end the day. We'll we'll find some um, auberge or or albergue and we'll stay there because that's when we're tired. But it shifted the whole sense of the experience is to walk towards Santiago, not to santiago
0: which you know you referred to um my sailing experience transatlantic sailing experience which is well documented in episode 35 of the humanity leadership podcast uh with the skip of the boat but um uh, it, likewise there were some days where we just didn't want to go that far backwards <laughs> because you know you're just against the tides and the w- currents and the wind and it was like if we hope that we don't lose any headway, and if we do lose some, we don't lose that much today because, you know, we're heading for, we were aiming for whales. We actually hit you at uh, Ireland uh, because of our timeline, but, you know, you knew you were going in a direction and you just hope that you didn't go too far backwards uh, in order to move that. And you, we also learned to be very flexible because um, we had no intention of stopping in Bermuda uh, we were skirting around the southeast corner of Bermuda until the boat set on fire. And then it was a an ideal stop. So which, again, is well documented in episode 35. That's um, <laughs> great. It's great. You know, there's something in
2: what you said, though, and that is trying just just to not lose ground. There's a there's another activity that I've done. And David, you and I may have done it together where you ask people to operate as if they're crossing a checkerboard on the floor and built into it is they're gonna go ahead most of the time on the safe path, but they don't realize that there is a, a, a turn back that they're gonna have to make in order to go forward. And the question always is, where do people make the most mistakes? And the answer is right around that spot where in order to make forward progress, you have to be willing to go backwards you have to live with that and time after time you know they've watched each other do this and and they do it again so there's i think the the direction approach gives us some grace about our willingness to acknowledge that there will be times when in order to to maintain the direction we want, we're going to have to absorb some backslide of one kind or another. Uh, It's a different mindset. It's a different place to be. It's realized that you're tired, Rick, as you said, so you're going to stop here.
0: Which has happened a lot in the last two years between COVID and in the automotive world, the chip shortage and uh, supply Mm -hmm. chain issues and things like that, that I've heard a lot of people that I work with say, okay, the goal's out there, but let's focus on what we have control over, and yeah. so let's you know do more or less of where we can improve and and reduce where we have control, because the goal in the budget went out the window uh, three months ago when something happened and things like that. But uh, and that allows people to then uh, focus in on on their piece of the journey, and say, hey, if we just make more of what we can and less of what we we have control over, then. Yeah. That will be a good result at the end of the year. And I've actually seen CEOs go to bat for people to get bonuses based on that rather than based on the overall performance of the organization. Because some people did outstandingly against all odds with the pieces that they could control. But that's
2: a gifted leader who is willing to see that um, that. That's what you keep your eyes open for. What are people able to do given what life is throwing at them uh, and how flexible can they be? How creative can they be in the face of it as opposed to being just stopped in their tracks because the path they laid out, they can't pursue and they are fearful they will be judged about that. That's what stops people so many times. So uh, a gift to have a leader who's willing to make a case for bonuses, for goals not met in the face of life.
0: And the picture you paint there is the comparison between somebody who's trying to walk towards that defined destination, and there's an obstacle in the way, and all they're doing is kind of keeping bumping into the obstacle, and it restarts them versus the person who says, hey, I think I can get round or climb this, or if I go off to the left a little bit, I'll see if I can hook back around.
1: It's and right. I'm still working in a direction. Judy, is that similar to the little exercise you do with people about in the room where you'd say, go oh. to this point?
2: <laughs> yeah, it is like that. So you uh, have to imagine a crowd of people in a room. There are about 20 of them and in what you would call a, a rugby scrum. They're in really close. And I say to them, so I want you without telling anybody to have in mind a place on the wall of this room that is your goal. And I want you to have it in mind. And at the count of three, I want you to head for it. So I go one, two, three, and everybody takes off and they're slamming into each other and complaining about somebody's in my way. And, you know, just going on about that. So then I say, okay, round two, come on back, back in the rugby scrum. This time, I want you to have another spot. Don't tell anybody, have it in mind But rather than have it in the forefront of your mind, I want you to hold it in the back of your mind. And when I count to three, I want you to look for natural openings. And I go one, two, three, and the room dissolves into a dance. The entire room changes. And people... (laughs) people end up where they want to be and they're kind to each other usually there's one guy who doesn't move at all until everybody else is scattered and he just walks straight to his spot (laughs) but the difference is real it's memorable and it's embodied you know it's such a different thing to look for natural openings to get to move yourself in the direction that you want to go
0: which is, you know, it's interesting because you and I have talked about another subject which links to this uh, hugely in my mind as you described that, which is Aikido. Yes. And Because Aikido is the learning of flow.
2: Yes, Aikido and, is the learning of flow. Uh,
0: yeah. And that idea of, you know, we go, we use the flow, we use the energy, we move around in order to get to the end result, which in Aikido done right is to get all parties to a place of safety.
2: That's exactly right. All, all, all home safe as yeah. Shackleton would have said, all
1: home safe. <laughs> I, I just thought of one more and, and I'd like to offer it. it. It just struck me as a grand example. I went to Jesuit high school in New Orleans and they had, I realized that what we call a mission statement, they, they, had, a, they had a direction and it was language like this, educating boys to become men for others. It wasn't around graduating this many people, having this many national merit scholars, having this many people go to college, raising this much money. It was educating boys, we were an all-boys school, educating boys to become men for others. That's a direct.
2: That's a direction, that's right. That's a direction that lasts a lifetime.
1: And it has, and it has the loyalty And the emotional connection to that institution that I see over and over again is extraordinary.
0: Which is, we could get into a whole other hour of conversation about the education system being targeting towards passing tests rather than uh, creating thinking, which is exactly what we're talking about here really, isn't it, so.
1: And and parents, trust me, I've been in the face of them at the University of California, Davis, who see the the higher education at the
0: highest level as being a trade school. So once again, our uh, coast to coast to coast uh, conversation from (laughs) East Coast to the West Coast to the Third Coast uh, has run for 40 minutes. Um, So uh, Rick, is a couple of key thoughts or examples that you'd summarize our conversation with today? Yeah, I think that that what we're
1: inviting people to do is in some way first be aware of the embedded mental models that we have and whether they're working for us or not to see that there really are alternatives. And then I invite people to just play with the notion of looking at a different sort of navigational aid, which is your own vitality and to hone your ability to track and be aware of your own vitality and take a
0: few steps in that direction. So pay attention to opportunities, be tuned into them and be willing to, to step into that space. And to see how, when you step into that space, it
1: creates opportunities. Judy, closing thoughts. I can't,
2: I can't. Improve
0: my- <laughs> I should have started with you. It's your birthday. it is so uh, i i appreciate also the the courage to share the poem i'm assuming that's an unpublished one at the moment
2: that is an unpublished one it's a pretty recent one
0: thank you i appreciate that rick judy once again i appreciate the wonderful rich conversation and i'm sure we'll dig into more next time thank Thank you. you david thank you so there you go that was Judy Brown and Rick Eigenbrod and my me talking about destination versus direction and which way to go. There's uh, more of these conversations coming up uh, with uh, both Judy and Rick and, and many other uh, esteemed colleagues and then interspersed with some Humanity tools on the Humanity Leadership podcast. You can also go to Humanity.com where you can check out our blog, which is a searchable resource of over 500 short, pithy uh, moments about leadership or go to YouTube and you can find the Humanity YouTube page and and see all of this in wonderful technical. Look forward to seeing you next time. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy.